Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome along, guys. It's another edition of Women's World Football Show, your fortnightly podcast, uh, radio show, internet radio show, whatever you want to call it, into the goings-on in, in world football. It's um, 1st of June, and, and I'm Adam, stuck over here in England just after the Women's FA Cup final, and uh, Pat is over there in California, so how are you doing? Hi, Adam. I'm, you know, I'm so excited about this show. I don't know. I, it's just like something like I got up this morning, I'm like, I'm so excited, because, you know, when we first started the show... Um, one of the taglines was, uh, co- one of the many cat taglines was, we're covering women's football from every corner of the world. And I think this episode is a great representation of that. I think Barry came up with that tagline, actually. He, he did, actually, yeah, because yeah, he's far cleverer than both you or I. And just to give a quick preview of uh, why I'm saying that is because we're going to be playing an interview that Adam did with accomplished sports journalist Cheryl Downs. She covers women's football in Australia and just came back from the Asian Cup where Australia qualified for the Women's World Cup by the way and um, also we're going to take a look at the United Soccer League which is the USL Women's League better known as the W League here in North America and we're going to take a look at one of the top teams in the league too, the LA Blues and play an interview I did with uh, one of the Blues someone you're very keen on Adam Rachel Daly yeah good fantastic player I've seen a lot of her playing for Lincoln and stuff over the years and then also coach Tracy Kevins, and uh, we'll also do a recap of the Caribbean Women's World Cup qualifiers that are going on right now, and our uh, normal NWSL, FAWSL stuff. But yeah, first, we'll first, I want to know what in God's green earth is going on with Arsenal. I can say this, this has been the big story over, the, over here for the past couple of weeks. It's... Uh, for those that don't know, I'm sure most people do, for the last 20 or so years in England, Arsenal have been, been the dominant force in women's football uh, in England. They've won like countless championships, be it league championships, FA Cups, Continental Cups, uh, European trophies, whatever you um, whatever you name it, uh, they've kind of won. And as we speak now, they just, they've just won the Women's FA Cup again, but that's, that's right off the, off the press as I'm sat here and it's up in the monitor. In the league, they actually sit bottom of the table. Uh, they've only played four FAWSL games in the league. They have a solitary point to show for that and, and three defeats. And that includes uh, losing all three league matches they've played at home. I, I was down at the last home game against Bristol um, last well, last week. And uh, they were pretty poor that day. And it was turned out to be Shelley Kerr, the manageress's final game in charge. So, um, well, final league match in charge. She stayed on today for the FA Cup final. And uh, now we have a, a month-long break, so Arsenal go into this mid-season break. Uh, it's fallen perfectly for them, really, or, or Shelley Kerr stood down, I should say, perfectly. Uh, now then gives them four weeks to, to find a new coach. Uh, so the, the search for that will begin. Uh, well, I'm sure it already has begun. But it's a strange one. Shelley Kerr's been in charge of the club for 16 months, two FA Cups, a Continental Cup, finished third in the league last year. They would have finished second if they didn't have the, the three points deducted. But she's uh, she stepped down um, a 
she's on the, the official line is that she uh, left on her own accord and uh, the hunt for another manager begins. I mean, this is a good team. It's, it seems too good to be at the bottom. They have Kelly Smith, Casey Stoney, Alex Scott, and the list goes on. Why, why do you think they're down at the bottom? Is it really Kerr's fault? I don't think all of it is. I mean, naturally, when something like this happens, I know that you, you always have a go at me for uh, wanting to blame all and sundry, but you have to look at... I always think when, when something like this happens, it's uh, a lot of factors usually come together for a, a coach um, not succeeding to the targets or the expectations. But I suppose one thing you have to look at, Arsenal have lost a lot of players over the past two seasons or so, a lot of good quality players. And it's always difficult when you replace that. Yes, they brought some in, but they've lost they've lost more quality than they have brought in. Now, um, obviously, you know about Kim Little. She's banging it over in the US. And there's Jilly Flackerty, who's gone to Chelsea. And uh, Alan White left to Notts County. You had um, Steph Horton bombing up the road to Manchester City. So they've lost a lot of players there. And even even last, last season, the previous pre-season, they, they lost players again. So... Although you, people can put blame Shelley Kerr, I think a lot of it is the fact that other clubs have maybe caught up with Arsenal. And when you're that dominant for so long, I just get the impression that there's, the leadership at the top of Arsenal kind of expected it to happen and expected its success to continue naturally. And um, other clubs have kind of caught, caught them up a bit and maybe maybe caught them, on, caught them off guard a little bit. I don't know, because usually, uh, I say usually, but going back five or six years, once a player went to Arsenal, they tended to stay there. That was like the pinnacle. You know, if you were at Arsenal, it was like uh, like being at, at uh, the New York Yankees or being Barcelona. You know, you never, you didn't leave there. You couldn't get any better than that. But I think now with other clubs going professional, other clubs training more than Arsenal, um, it's no longer the case. And Arsenal just used to be able to sit back and the best players would come to them. But now there's a bit more choice. So I think bigger than this coaching change I think they need to look at the whole club a little bit more and kind of dis- kind of um, reevaluate how they do things do they do they need to do more training do they need to go more full time I mean even Arsenal's crowds they used to be the best but they're not as big of the home crowds as um, as some other clubs have been putting up this year in attendances so maybe I guess Jalikur has to shoulder some of the blame but maybe the bigger picture needs to be addressed a bit more, I think. And why do you think they win at the cup level, but they're struggling in the on the t- in the in the league? Well, it's always tough, isn't it? I think as a professional player or as a player or whatever, a cup final is always a huge, huge character. It always, it always gives you that little, little bit extra than a league game. Uh, cup games are also one-off games. It's a different. It's a chance to win a trophy more quickly. That could be in its favour, but. Um, I don't know because everyone they they played some fantastic football in the semi final and beat Chelsea, and I think everybody thought that they were really going to push on, they were going to kick on from that, and it didn't really happen. I mean, it start then the rock really started. They played Reading away in FA um, in the Continental Cup from FA WSL two. They lost that one two 0 They then played Birmingham at home. They lost that one two 0 and, and last week when I was down at Bristol watching them. Arsenal, they started off really well, and for 20, so, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you could say that they were the better team. Then when Bristol scored, possibly against run of play, uh, after that I didn't really think Arsenal were going to get back into it. They might, I think, oh, when it's 1-0, you can always get one goal, but I just didn't, didn't see anybody 
looking like they were going to get two goals and, and, and win the match. But I think a lot of the problems from the games I've seen is there's nobody being brave enough in the final third. I mean, I know a lot of people in football think being brave is thundering in for challenges or going up for headers or, you know, that kind of, you know, beating your chest kind of brave. But to me, you need to be braver in other ways. That means if you're in the final third, you get the ball, you're not scared to have a shot, you're not scared to try and beat the player, you're not scared to keep going forward and keep keep trying to do positive work. And the performance I saw, there were too many people not doing that. But having just watched the cup final, that was the reverse. They've played really well today against Everton. They've been on the front foot pretty much all game. Everton looked they made Everton look quite poor. I mean, you have to remember Everton are second bottom in the FAWSL as well. But it was it was a total, totally different performance from the one I saw against Bristol. So I suppose you've also got to be the cynical and think, well, if a new coach is coming in, these guys, these girls are going to be impressing more. So maybe there was a little bit more of that. But um, you know, we'll see, won't we? But I think a lot of Shelley Kerr's problems is uh, somebody, uh, the commentator, did a great quote today. He said it's easy to uh, coach a women's team. Uh, sorry, Lucy Ward. It was a female commentator. Lucy Ward. My apologies. Lucy Ward, the commentator, said it's easy to to coach a women's team. It's very hard to manage a women's team. I, I think uh, we all know what you mean by that. I mean, you know, if if I had to manage eleven Patty Labellas on this show, I, I can imagine it would be a nightmare. So. You'd be a star. It would be interesting, yeah. But I, th- I think that's the pro- a lot of coaches have said that with women's football is is that I think this might not necessarily be the case, but it's hard to keep a, a dressing room together. You know, people develop clicks develop. You get two and three people here and there, so I think it's hard to keep them together. And maybe when things got got tough, uh, maybe Shelley wasn't the best communicator. I don't know if this is true. Maybe the players didn't take to her. I don't know. Maybe you know you, you just don't know what goes on. But mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit more to it than just coaching from what it looks like I mean after the game with Bristol uh, there's a bar area so we all piled into the bar um, what a surprise people, well it was very hot you know and long train journey back but um, I said long train, train journey back I had a four hours yeah. after the game finished to get the train so I made made time but uh, all the Bristol you'd have thought it was a Bristol home game because all the Bristol players were in there and the Arsenal players came in in like twos and threes had one quick coke and then went but I didn't think too much of it at the time because I was watching. We were all watching uh, Leighton Orient and Rotherham in the League uh, League One playoff finals. Leighton Orient should have won, but yeah, you know, I was gutted that they didn't because you know, I don't particularly like the manager of Rotherham. But there we go. The team that I wanted to win didn't, so that's the story of my life. Mm-hmm. But in the court, Shelley Kerr was sat in the corner uh, with Alex Scott, the captain, and uh, they were the only two players. They had like a long chat for about half an hour, I think. So I think Shelley knew what was going on then. Uh, I mean, obviously, I didn't go and barge up and say, "Hey, girls, how's it going?" You didn't put your you didn't put your um, recorder on the table and just walk away. <laughs> no, no, I was gonna. I suppose I could have said, "Hey, girls, you know, you fancy a game of cards or something?" Or she could, uh, but no. Uh, so, looking back on it, I was, she Shelley Kerr probably knew there and then. And as soon as I got back into central London and was drinking at the pub near the station, I, the, the, I read on Twitter that, that she'd uh, she'd resigned. So that's uh, that's kind of how it went down. So, you, so they have four weeks now. Are they going to be able to pick a? An actual manager? Are they are they going to get an interim? I, I don't know. They've, they've just said the the search begins now. I mean, the search. Uh, Arsenal ladies was set up in nineteen eighty seven by a chap called Vic Ackers. Uh, he was manager for years, and he was the one that built the dynasty. He was like the original kind of you know. He was like the Chuck Knoll, if you were of um of Arsenal ladies. And he's since two thousand and nine. He's been like director of football or general manager that kind of role. So he's going to be leading up, leading, heading the search. 
it's always tough, isn't it, when you because the best managers aren't generally available at this time. I, if I had to um, put my nuts on the block and suggest what would happen, it wouldn't surprise me if he took the job uh, temporarily till he got back in the dugout till the end of the season with um, Kelly Smith as his number two. That that might happen. I don't know. You know, Kelly Smith's been a did have got the man of the match award. I believe today she played absolutely fantastic. You know, thunderbolt free kick in the first goal. So. If I had to base a quid, that's what I think would happen. But you know, I don't know. They might have. They've obviously got far more knowledge and contacts of, of the women's game than I have, and it'll be be interesting to see where it goes from there. Okay, so Vic Ackers, he's pretty well. Um, like the players really like him, right? I mean, he's pretty much taken all, some of these players under his wing, and they're. It sounds like there are a lot of people, a lot of players like Alex Scott, Scott, and Kelly Smith are kind of loyal yeah they, they everybody he's got a you know fantastic reputation in the game and if he he's picking the manager duress i mean if there's nobody he, he won't just put a deadbeat in charge he won't just go and like drag someone like me to do the job he'll um he'll, he'll make sure the best person he's a real arsenal man i mean he's um he for a long time he sat on the bench alongside arsene wenger when the men's team were playing and stuff so he know he certainly does know his stuff so if if he can't i think if he can't find someone up to his standard I think he could well do the job till the end of the season and, and renew it there because at the moment Arsenal are in the in the relegation spot. I, I don't think they'll go down very or lo- offer a long odds on that. But whilst you're sitting on that in that seat, you're it's always um, it's never a comfortable seat to sit in if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just to briefly recap, Arsenal lifted the FA Cup today in a way. Uh, free kick from Kelly Smith in the first half, and a um, uh, 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 Japanese player, Kinga. Now she's they've signed two two um, Japanese players, uh, Kinga and Ono. Ono's settled the better, and had a, and Kinga's had a bit of a rocky start, but she she scored today, so hopefully that'll um, give her a little bit of confidence to kick on. Because I know chatting with various people who watch Arsenal cover Arsenal, she's not totally lived up to to the billing that they hope they have. I mean, the big thing for Arsenal, what I mean, they've had to play without Jordan Nobbs. So when they get Jordan Nobbs back, that'll obviously help matters. I think, but it's um, it's definitely a, a watch this space, and we'll be keeping a beady eye on it. Yeah, like a hawk, mm-hmm. um, or, or 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 a gator like this. Uh, yeah. I saw your gator shirt. A gift yeah. from a fan. Yes, it's. Oh. Well, I like this t-shirt. It's very good. So oh, yeah. nice. Um, one question: When is the when is the FA going to allow other regions of the world to watch some of the WSL? Because you know, even this morning, I was like, I, if it wasn't for Twitter, a lot of us wouldn't be able to know what's going on. There's no live streams. Are they ever going to consider, do you know anything? Are they going to consider letting us watch? Should we well, start got, a writing cam- a, a letter writing campaign, Adam? They, they, the thing is, they, they do have a deal with BT Sport. They've had it, you know, there's one live game on every week. Um, I know, obviously, there's a deal in the, with the NWSL, we'll chat about later. But a lot of them aren't really stream live it's for the highlights i mean the highlights are all available on youtube with the games and today's match was on national tv on the bbc so that's probably been, been blocked i don't know if you can get uh, today's game was on the bbc world service radio as well which i know does broadcast throughout the world so read re- audio wise you probably could listen you could have listened to today's game i think but mm. so, uh, we don't have a culture of streaming really at women's games yet but hopefully it'll come it's like i said we found they've got a tv deal um, for this season, I think it was last season as well. You there was live games, so it, it's slowly building and stuff. But until it does, you'll have to 
there, there's some excellent tweeters out there, you know, ourselves, like friends of girls on the ball, they tweet a lot of games. Uh, Sports International, obviously, they, they've got a fantastic tweeter at Sports International, very good, good-looking chap, knows his stuff. Uh, he tweets a lot of games as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... <laughs> when he's not in the pub. When he's not in the pub or um, researching well, for this show. Yeah, it would just be nice if we had something to watch, and maybe that's something we need to to try to get. Maybe we should start assaulting the FA with letters and phone calls and things and say, yeah. we want, we want, we want them on YouTube and we want them accessible because I get sky sports, but you know, I have to wait to the end of the three hour broadcast to hear anything about the women's game. Yeah. I know so. it's, it's, it's not great, but it's, it's like another thing. It's not great, but it's far, far better than what we had five, six, seven years ago. So yeah, but we want more. Yeah. Well, we always want more, don't we? <laughs> it's not enough. Well, anything, anything else going on in WSL that we should know? Anything notable? Um, Man City's, um, Man City's climbing slowly yes. but surely. Yes, Manchester City. They've had it. They've had, they had a rocky start, didn't they? We we discussed them a couple of shows ago, saying that we were a bit concerned. But um, no, they're flying up there. It's again the league has used my one of my hashtags tighter than a, a duck's arse at the top. Uh, everyone's played four league matches because we've been busy heavily involved in the Continental Cup as well. So they've played more games than this. We've got Birmingham City. They lead the way. Four games played, eight points on the table. Bristol Academy, who look really good because they're certainly the team that's playing the most attacking football. Uh, they've got seven points. And then we've got Notts County, Liverpool, Manchester City, all locked in together on six. Uh, Chelsea, who are uh, Chilean goalkeeper, she made a debut last week. They've got five points. So your top six there are all separated by three points. So absolutely nothing in it, really. And then there's a three-point gap to Everton. They've got two points. Uh, they've got a lot of work to do. I know they've got a young side, but looking on today's performance and when I've seen them, they, they really need to kick on a bit if they're to avoid the relegation spot. And then um, we've got Arsenal at the bottom with one point. And the first game back after the break, Arsenal do travel to Liverpool. So that's going to be a hell of a, a stonkingly good game, as they say. Mm-hmm. But I'm still backing Liverpool to win the league. You know, if I had to, if you force me into a corner, and I know, I know you were going to, so mm-hmm. if you had to force me into a corner and predict who's going to win it, I, I'm just, I, I, I backed Liverpool at the start of the season and I'm not going to uh, change horse halfway through, so I'll, I'll stick with Liverpool. Good boy. Oh, well, I am, aren't I? <laughs> it seems, so. if, if it's this tight right now and going into you know the rest of the season, it's, it's a pretty exciting season. I think I think at some point the gloves are going to come off and it will become more open. I mean, there's, okay. nobody's scored more than two goals in a league game. It's been very cagey, very tight, but whether that's down to the fact that there's a relegation spot and some teams are playing not to lose before they start to try and win the games, I don't know. I must admit, it's been, as I say, Bristol have looked to me the only team that's actually gone out there and wanted to score score goals. I mean, they play, they were, I know Arsenal are a bit shaky, but they did look quite good when I saw them last week. But it, it'll be fun. It's going to hopefully open up. Now we've got um, the FA Cup, the first trophies out of the way. So we've got two more for them to get the teeth into. And we have a month's break. Uh, that's basically, some people say it's because of the interest in the Men's World Cup. And also it's because England have got two very important Women's World Cup qualifiers in the middle of June when, we, when they travel to Belarus and Ukraine. So we have a month's break so everyone can chill out and relax and stuff and um, eat some ice creams and uh, listen to this show. And get a new manager. And yes, in search for a new coach, whatever they do. So we'll keep you up to date if we hear anything. It'll be on the Twitter feed and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm writing a blog about the Arsenal situation, so you can read that on Sports International when it's up. Mm-hmm. We're going to get our blog on the show apparently soon. Yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. You know how I work. I like. I, I know. It gets done eventually. 
It does, yes. So, so switching gears, what's um, what's going on in the NWSL? Well, you know what? I thought we'd talk about the NWSL later because you okay, know you may fine. not know this, but there are other leagues in North America that are going on. Okay, marvelous. That's that? jolly good stuff. <laughs> uh, just because you know, it's good to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, we like mixing stuff up, don't we? Uh, you know, we have the United Soccer League, which I mentioned before, the USL, the W League, yeah. as we like to call it, not to be confused with the Westfield W League in Australia, no. which we'll be talking about a little little bit later. Yeah, it's a, I, you know, I hesitate to call it a lower league because the caliber of players and the just the overall play in the league is is like top notch. Maybe this is, I mean, let, let me say it's a second tier of the of women's soccer in the United States and Canada, right below yeah. the NWSL. The US, like our FAWSL too. Yeah, exactly. And it's been around a long time. A lot of people know teams like the Seattle Sounders women. Yeah. And Ooh, Ottawa Fury. I mean, there's been a lot of teams that have been around. The Washington Spirit Reserves are in the USL. All right. And uh, just to, if you're not familiar with the USL, and I always say, you know, if you don't have an NWSL team in your neighborhood, go online and look up uh, WLeagueSoccer.com. I, I bet you anything there's a team within driving distance. And yeah. same with the WPSL. We've mentioned that too, the Women's Premier Soccer League. There's unless unless you're living in in Alaska or somewhere like that, so we don't want any smart houses tweeting in saying they're in Alaska and got none. Maybe no are the Sounders. Going. Alaska to Seattle. How long is that going to take to try? I don't know. Don't start <laughs> with the geography questions, Adam. Okay, Hawaii. Do they got one? <laughs> <laughs> no, Hawaii does not have one yet. Um, yeah. So if you're not familiar with the with the W League here in North America, it's basically it's set up in four conferences. They have the Central Conference, the Northeastern the Southeastern, and then the Western Conference. And I was fortunate enough to go to the to a game a few weeks ago, and I'm going to go back again just as a fan uh, to see the L.A. Blues. They're the top. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, you know what? You've, done, you've been doing a lot of selfies lately. I have, yes. I've got um, like a new kid out the block. Aren't I? I've got a a new phone so I can just take selfies for all the yeah. for the, my fans and stuff and, and that yeah you're like a little schoolgirl. I am I am well yeah. I, I need it for Cyprus next year okay well I'm I'm glad that you got a new phone because your pictures were really Crap. dicey yeah <laughs> so yeah so the the LA Blues are just are just streaming through the league right now they've got 12 points they're 4-0 there's really, I was looking through the, the tables this morning, there's really no other team that's, that's matching them on the field or on paper. And so I was fortunate to go and watch them. And uh, for those of you who might say, mm, the LA Blues, I don't know who, I, that doesn't sound familiar. Well, the Pally Blues, uh, they merged with another LA team called the LA Strikers. They retained the head coach, Charlie Namo, who was the Pally Blues head coach, as um uh, obviously, the president, the president and head coach, and then they also retain the sh- LA Strikers coach Tracy Kevins, one of your English country women, I guess. Yes, another yeah. another one of the coaches showing you chaps how it's played. Yes, yeah. they actually have her as technical director. So kind of like oh, what you were talking about, like they have a manager and a director, and if yeah. and if she's the director, she you know she's got the hard job, but she did a lot with the Strikers, so they wanted to keep her, and they've been able to like come together. Charlie and Tracy, and they've developed this pretty powerful team. To give you an idea, I'll, I'll just mention some of the players on this team real quick. And and you know what they are? This league is a semi, I call it semi-pro. Most of them are college 
players, you know, they, they finish school, ready to go into the summertime, and then they want to develop their craft and they want to play at a high level, so they enter these W League teams. So a lot of them, I mean, they're not compensated. A lot of them under NCAA rules, they're not allowed to be paid. So they're doing this strictly as a way to hone their craft, get better, get some experience. And then as soon as they finish, a lot of them, a lot of them are national team players as well. They're U17, U20 players for their national team. So a lot of them will might meet up with their teams. Of course, we have the the under-20 Women's World Cup coming up in August. A lot of them will go off and be a part of that, and then they'll go back to school. So there's really no rest for these kids. But just to give you a, um, an idea of who's on the team, Abby Dahlkemper, who was on that great UC, who is on that great UCLA NCAA Women's Soccer Championship team. Uh, they have a Mexican national, Tanya Samarich, Katie Stengel, who we talk about a lot, Mealy French, um, Aubrey Bledsoe. And um, also Rachel Daly. Yes, Rachel. Oh, you woke up. (laughs) I thought I was losing you, and then I said Rachel Daly, and you're what? No, I've got a new game on my phone. I need to just update it. I'm I'm glad that you're that I'm. I'm glad that you're so interested in what I have to say about. about I'm a man. I can multitask. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I noticed that. Uh, Yeah, so Rachel Daly is uh, actually going to school and playing football here in the states at St. John's University, which is. A somewhat small small school in New York City, but it it's part of the Big East, so they're a big athletic school. And she's uh, she wasn't eligible last year, her freshman year, but she did finish up this past year at St. John's. Then after the or the school year's over, she came out here and played for the LA is playing for the LA Blues. You know, just to give you an idea, at the end of the season, she was she was named the Big East Offensive Player of the Year. She was named the Newcomer of the Year. She was named to the All Big East First Team, which is quite an accomplishment. And uh, you have some familiarity with her, right? I, I certainly do because um, she used to play uh, 2012 when I was right covering Lincoln. Uh, she played played for, for Lincoln. And, you know, she was like a, an attacking fullback. She really is a good in that area. She, she's got a good all round game, but she was she was playing playing like left fullback. But she can really bomb forward and stuff. Uh, I used to stand with her dad and watch the games and stuff. Her dad was a fantastic player in his day as well. You know, he scored a goal for, for Harrogate Town in the FA Cup that people still talk about, about to this day. So she's from a, a recognised footballing family. And um, it's been, I've been very you know, keen to follow her progress because this is her second season out in LA. When she first went there, she couldn't play due to the date when she got there or something. She couldn't play for St. John's in her first year. But uh, she's been, to, well, this is her second season out in LA and it's... Um, it's been great to watch her absolutely tear, tear the lead to pieces the past two times she's been out there. It's like you said, um, she scored a ridiculous amount of goals for St John's last year as a, as a defender. Uh, so she conversed about, I'm sure she didn't play all the games in defence. She's played up front and stuff and wherever. So it's great. And she's um, back into the England fold as well this year, which which is great news for, for England and, and for everybody else, really. Yeah, so, I was, so she was uh, nice enough to give me a post-game interview after the match. Before we play this clip, though, let me just say that it was very windy out there. Uh, the Blues play. Uh, actually, they were playing in the same the same venue as uh, your team, the LA Galaxy. Yay! Yay! And so the, a lot of winds. It's called the South Bay, so it's very windy there. So my microphone gets a lot of wind, and her her um, answers were very clear, but my questions were sometimes muffled. And in the middle of the interview, I asked her, and I don't think it's very clear, but I did ask her when she started to take football seriously. So that's when she, and you could tell when she answers it. So we'll play that right now. What do you, 
attribute your success to right now, your early success? Um, I think the ability amongst the whole squad, squad we've got, you know, a, a huge squad and there's not one person without a great bit of talent here. Um, the coaching staff, Charlie and Tracy, without them, the, the, you know, the work they put in and the owners, then we wouldn't have even been a club. So I think that all that put together combines the results that we're getting right now. And you had a big success at St. John's University. What were your impressions of playing a, you know, system as in comparison to the system? It was a lot different. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got the schoolwork and stuff too, so you've got to balance that between, you know, schoolwork and football. Um, but I like it. I like the fact that we train every day and multiple times a day with lifting and stuff and combining. I think I've definitely improved as a player since I've been there. So. Like you packed your bags and you came out west and without a break. Did you get a chance to go home? Uh, Christmas for like a month, maybe three weeks or four weeks, yeah. Uh, it's rough, but I do what I do because I enjoy it. So, you know, I don't get a break, but I don't mind it. And what is the one thing that you miss the most being away from home? Just family. Definitely just family. I mean, obviously my friends and stuff, but I have good friends here now. Uh, definitely family the main thing. So you've seen a lot of success at an early age. Um, when did you start um, I mean, I think I've always had a ball at my feet ever since I was, came out of the, out of the womb. But uh, I think nine to ten years old, you know, I started playing with the local boys team. And I think that's when I started to take, you know, my next steps into wanting to be a footballer and always playing with the boys and my brothers and stuff so and when you see young kids like a lot of young kids are you guys don't want you are dreaming of basically playing at a high level like yourself enjoy it I mean I know it, there's a lot of times when I thought when I was 12 13 I want to go with my friends to the dances and stuff like that but as long as you enjoy it and give the commitment that you want to you know just pursue your dream no matter what obstacles are thrown at you be happy so my co-host uh, his name is Adam Barlow and he's, so he wanted he had a couple you wanted me to ask you, and then he also told me he, he was chat up your dad on the sidelines, quite yeah. a bit. So, which means to me you just pestering your dad. Yeah. But um, he wanted to know um, what's your best memory of your days playing in Lincoln Ladies? Best memories, I think, just the team, the team uh, bonding that we had. We had such a great team unit. Um, you know, we went through a couple members of staff changes in the two years that I was there, and I think just the way we gelled together as a team, it was great team chemistry. So I think that was the best part of it. The other question he had, and I have too, is um, after you finish college, do you see yourself putting yourself into the NWSL, um, the draft, draft, or do you want to go back home and play FAWSL? I think right now it's hard for me to say because there's still two years left, but as it stands right now, I would like to aim to go and play in the NWSL here. I definitely put myself in the draft, uh, but I don't know. We'll see what happens in the next two years in the WSL at home and see what goes from there. Yeah, hopefully it's still around. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. So that wasn't too bad, right, with the winds and stuff? I mean, you could still hear her and... Absolutely, yeah, good stuff. Um, really interested. It'd be, be fascinating to see her enter the NWSL draft because I'd imagine she'd be pretty high up the draft board, as you would say. So it'd be, be fascinating to see if... Obviously, it's, as you say, she says, it's a, it's a fair bit away, but I, uh, I think she could just pretty much walk into any NWSL side now, now to be honest with you. And the other person I was able to talk to, which was, uh, which was really cool, was Tracy Kevins. And you might know her because she came from, uh, she came from, she was an assistant coach with the English women's national team. She was appointed the first team manager to the Barnett FC ladies. Um, of course, she coached the strikers into the playoffs last season. So Coach Kevins was uh, nice enough to, to give me a few sound bites and talk to me a little bit as kind of a precursor to a more in-depth interview later on. So again, apologize for the wins, but you know, I can't, I can't control everything. No, not okay. so. <laughs> Here you go. You guys are so successful right now at the beginning of the season, and we were all concerned about how these two teams were going to merge. And you, you were concerned? To, you, well, curious. <laughs> we weren't concerned. <laughs> okay. Obviously. Uh, what do you attribute to the, the success to, the early uh, success? I think, first of all, you've got 
quality opposition that have come together, quality players that have come together. So that was always going to help the transition. I think that off the field that we've got people with that are very driven for the same goal. We want to make this the best possible club that we can. Not just W League, but outside of that, it's opportunities to go into the NWSL. So really, the whole club is driven towards one goal. So it was just a matter of us getting things right on the field. And I think when you put quality players on a roster and we've got good staff working with them, we've got all the right ingredients really so and we're starting to see probably earlier than we expected the fruits of our labor really so and how did it work with you and charlie coming together yeah it's good i mean the first you know i'm i'm fortunate i was saying to charlie before the start of the season i was part of a merger about 10 years ago at my club so i've been through this before so and the most important thing is that you you, you bury your ego for the sake of what your goal is and, you know, it hurt me last year when strikers didn't make it to the championship and I felt that we were we were 90 minutes away because if we'd have beaten Pally, we would have probably won the whole thing. No disrespect to the other teams involved in it, but, you know, they were the best side in it. And I felt that, you know, my most important objective this year is, is I want to get that championship and we're with a proven organisation who's got three stars above their badge for a reason. They're there consistently. You know, and that's not to mention the amount of times they've just been to the finals. So the most important thing for me was, like, how important was that? And that was so important to me. So for me and Charlie, it's, we're both driven for that same goal. And I think that's that's enabled the process to be a lot smoother than what people expected. Sure has. And what, what is the one part of the game that you guys have been working on the most to improve on? Yeah, I mean, I think that, look, we're a possession side. Yeah, absolutely, that's better. We're a possession side. So I think that, you know, we, we've got players, when we look and sat down and, and drew up the roster of players that we wanted to, to be part of this organisation, the one thing that we consistently wanted was players that were comfortable in possession. And, and I'd hate to see the stats for today in terms of how much possession we had. We had an awful lot against a very, very good side. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, Sammy's really only touched it in terms of back passes and, you know, she had the odd clearance in terms of a punch away from the set piece. But, you know, we're very comfortable possession side. And then the other side of it is without the ball, we want it back. So we're aggressive and unpressurising. And I think those are the, you know, it's a short season. You can't work on 100 things. So we really prioritise those two things. And the players have been playing. have been so responsive to what we want. And, you know, we're playing some lovely stuff. No, it's quality, and we're trying to get the word out for you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm gonna. T I thank you so much. Everybody. Yeah, not a problem. So once again, it's pretty. It's cool, you know, when these players and coaches take the time after a match, because obviously, you know, she's doing. She's got a lot of work to do, and so for her to take the time to talk to me a little bit was very cool. And just spending the time out there with the Blues, and big thank you to Alondra Hernandez for for setting me up over there. And hopefully, we'll get some more interviews with. There's a lot of great players on that team, so. In the yeah, North, we'll and we'll keep an eye on them too because obviously, like I said, they're tearing up the league and fully expect them to be in the playoffs, if not hoist the trophy at the end of the, end uh -huh. of the season. Anyway, speaking of the Blues, uh, while I was there, I was also able to snag some stuff. So we're going to give away a Blues package. It's pretty cool. Uh, LA Blues t-shirt and LA Blues scarf. So listen to our check-in on us at Twitter at, at WWF Show on Twitter and we'll give you full details. We're going to have a little trivia question. So it's always good to pay attention. We'll keep you guys up to date on what's going on with the USL on our Twitter page and also in upcoming shows. Yep, definitely. Right? Yeah. So, so um, um, speaking of W League. Yeah. <laughs> there's another the Yeah, there's another W League, right? Although we don't. Yes. Yeah. And you had a chance to talk with um, with Cheryl Downs, who, like I said, is a reporter over in Australia. She covers 
the W League and the Matildas? Yes, because recent, recently, uh, recently, maybe in the past two or three weeks, uh, we've had the Asian section of uh, qualifying for Canada for the World Cup now. Um, Australia, Australia do play in the Asian section, and the reason for that was uh, maybe five or six, maybe a bit longer than that, I don't know, but the men's team weren't getting enough competition, so they left Oceania and then joined the Asian section. So for people that are wondering why is Australia playing in the Asian section and not the Oceania, it's because Australia were just, there, were no comp there was no competition for them there at all. So the Australian Federation have moved themselves, men's and women's, out of Oceania and gone into the Asian Cup. So that's why Australia are playing in Asia, if uh, people weren't too sure about that. But uh, this, um, Australia were, went into this as the defending champions, and uh, it was held in Vietnam, Vietnam of all places. And everyone gets together in the top, and they decided. Not only was the Asian Cup decided, but um, the five qualifiers for the uh, for the World Cup, for the five berths, they were decided. Now we've we've been a little bit guilty since we set the show up of not covering Australia, basically because uh, Patty and I know absolutely nothing about it. So it was good that we've that Cheryl's agreed to come on, and she's going to come on more regularly in the future, telling us about um, the game. But she she works for. Um, womensgame.com a fantastic website for, for everything Australian she uh, is the uh, Melbourne Victory correspondent so she covers the, the side that Jess Fishlock's team won it last year and um, I'll start prattling on and um, I must admit we had a few issues with the Skype at the start of this but uh, the majority of it, it um, is, is still okay so I'll, I'll, we'll just play this fantastic in interview I did with, with Cheryl yesterday Thank you for having me Adam No not at all it's totally our pleasure um, thanks for taking time out to come on the show so um, like, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to talk to people who want to talk about women's football and particularly the Matildas. So you've just come back from Vietnam, haven't you, watching watching the Matildas? We have. Sorry, there were eight of us from the women's game that headed over there. And we all, there's two photographers and six people who do a bunch of writing. So it was actually brilliant to get over there and try and build up some publicity for the Matildas and the players as well. So we had a great time. Oh, wow, great stuff. Because um, speaking of publicity and the build-up to it, they was, um, recently changed the, the coach, didn't they? Can you tell us a little, a little bit about that? The coaching decision was really, really interesting. About a month before the Asian Cup, FFA terminated Hesterine de Roos's contract with the Matildas. So that left us without a coach heading into a World Cup qualifying tournament. Very, very interesting situation, probably unsettling for the players, unsettling for me as a supporter and doing media. Yeah. So yeah. the reason why, that's really, really difficult to piece together. I think FFA, sorry, Football Federation Australia have not really released anything other than a very, very brief statement to say that they're terminating the contract and going their separate ways. But piecing together the things that we've heard and what we think may have happened. There was certainly a difference of style to Tom Samani, who was there prior to Hesterina. She seems to be um, a lot more disciplined in, in the way that she works together with the players and some of the players may not have adapted to that as well. Um, yeah, so quite interesting. None of the players would say anything and I, I think that's quite good. Hesterina, we did have a chat to her during the Asian Cup as well. She was there. But, you know, she seemed to indicate that FFA hadn't told her very much either. So, I don't know, it's a little bit of a black hole. It now leaves us in a position where we don't have a, a permanent coach. We had Alan Stagic, who has been coaching Sydney 
WFC for five, six seasons, I think. He stepped in. He's done a, a pretty good job, I suppose, throughout the Asian Cup. He's got a quite an attacking style, an unforgiving style in some respects. So there are some some good aspects to Alan. From my perspective, I think, and the people who don't necessarily align with Alan, he's not always great off the field. So, And I suspect that's something that he's been working on as well to make sure that he's quite professional and that's where he's fallen down in the past. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's a little bit of information about the coaching. Oh, good, good. I suppose um, with Somali being available, has he, has he been linked with the job? Obviously, I suppose he did a good job last time around, didn't he? Yeah, he did a great job. I mean, he'd been at um, with the Matildas for eight years, and I think they're you know not all sequential. Tom did a great job, but I think there's probably quite a few people suggesting that maybe Tom should move on and the Matildas should move on, just so we can sort of track a little bit differently and yeah. you know build on what he has developed. So certainly nothing against Tom, and I, everyone loves Tom. It's you know how do we take that next step in the Matildas, and that's the really keen thing that we'd all like to see. So I think speaking to Sarah Walsh actually at the airport, just when we were leaving Vietnam, she said that the the search for a coach would start immediately. Um, Alan Stadjic would no doubt put his hand in the ring, but it'd be interesting to see who else will put their hand in. And yeah, at this point, we don't know how long that process will take, if it will take a week or a month, but I'm pretty interested to see. And I, I think for our prospects at the World Cup, it's really important that we hear that as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talking on the Asia Asia Cup, um, for people who don't know, this is also qualifying for the for the World Cup next year in Canada, isn't it? So there's a lot of lots of pressure on the side. But um, you started off with probably the toughest game you could have played, wasn't it? A two-two draw with Japan. Yeah, and that was probably the best match that we played throughout the whole tournament. So we started with our A team out there and for the first 30 minutes or so we played a, a brilliant game of football. It was really good to see the Aussies taking it to the world champions. So, yeah, I mean, we had really, really high hopes. From that point onwards, though, I don't think that we really put together our, our best play. Two, two old drawers are still a great result against the world champions, but I think, you know, maybe... Maybe we're disrespectful in thinking that we can beat them, but I think that's a great thing that the Matildas think that they can beat the Japanese squad. I think that's the best way to go. I don't. I, I think um, if you're going into a game not sure as if you can win, I, I don't think that's the right way. I think it's great that they are thinking that they can beat them. And they came Absolutely. close to beating them. Yeah, they came incredibly close to beating them, so that was brilliant to see. And they, even in the final match where we played them, I think Japan had stepped it up a bit, even though... The Japanese team, I think they had six of their key players were actually unable to be at the tournament just because of different commitments around the world with clubs not um, releasing them to play. That in itself is something AFC and FIFA hadn't organised completely well. I don't want to say too much about that, but yeah, that was a challenge as well. So after the Australia game, they won the other two games in the group, didn't they? We did. So the next game that we had was against Jordan. And that's, you know, Jordan have come up in the ranks quite quickly. I think we had a 3-1 victory against them. So they were incredibly exhilarated. Sorry, Jordan were when they scored their one goal. So that was brilliant to watch them. But their style of play is different to the style of play that I generally like to see. Very, very physical. Um, Lots of tackles and 
heavy tackles, that kind of thing. So, you know, not the sweet, soft football that I like to see with the skill all over the place, but, yeah, a little bit different. We then went on to play Vietnam, and that was a lovely match to be there, playing against the home crowd. Um, we had a good crowd turn out for that match. Again, we had a, I think that was a 2-0 victory. One of the goals was an own goal, I believe. Get myself right with what that was about. And then also Katrina Gorry scored an amazing goal. So Katrina Gorry is heading off to the NWSL. And, yeah, they've got a great pick-up with her. Oh, good. How how did the host nation... I mean, you said Vietnam hosted it. It's not a country I would spring to my mind as being football crazy, but how, how did the hosts kind of take to the whole event? Oh, they had brilliant supporters who were there every time Vietnam played. I don't know if you've seen any photos, but anyone who wants to have a look, have head off to the womensgame.com and have a look there. They were just decked out in their red colours and beautiful to see them. Lovely supporters, so nothing, nothing aggressive or anything. Uh, myself and one of the other women's game writers headed over to their crowd and actually mixed and mingled with them a little bit. And it was actually lovely. They were just there supporting football. So, unfortunately for Vietnam, they didn't qualify for the World Cup. They were playing off against Thailand, I think it was, in the mm. fifth and sixth playoff. But maybe the maybe the situation got to them and they, they just couldn't bring their A games. It was really disappointing that they didn't make it. But for Thailand, brilliant that they did make it because that's their first opportunity to go to the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. So, who did... Um, what was the semi-final? So, obviously, Australia's gone through the group now. We're into the semi-final stage. Um how did that shape up? Yeah, it was a really, really tough match for us against South Korea. Um, we managed to win that one, fortunately, but we were quite um, worried about Park Min Sung, who, you know, for them is just a, a driving force in, I think she was the leading goal scorer. Um, so, yeah, really, really tough and challenging match, but the Aussies put it together. They played really, really hard and were able to walk away winning that I'll say just, it, it wasn't a comprehensive victory, it wasn't their best game, but they did just enough to win and to get to the next match, and sometimes that's all you need. Mm, especially in a semi-final, it's all about the result really, isn't it, as opposed to the performance? It is. I, you know, sometimes you sit there and you watch as a spectator and you're like, oh, that's not perfect and that's not perfect and how come they haven't put all of this together, but at the at the end of the day, the win is really something that counts towards getting, you know, they needed to get to that next match. Yeah. It was quite interesting that for the semi-finals, the Aussies by this point had already qualified for the World Cup. So that was a little bit of pressure taken off. And I don't know whether or not that had a positive, negative or no impact whatsoever on the following match that they played. But I don't know. Like I said, the end result was that they won that semi-final and were able to head in and play Japan in the final. Mm. So, because Japan again, they're they're all one of the best teams in the world, aren't they? I mean, they're consistently up there in the rankings, and um, I won the World Cup last time. So, how how did the final shape up? Yeah, look, the Japanese in the final, they just played an incredible match. To be honest, I, I think it took me a couple of days, and, and probably still aren't. I'm not over it yet, but it took me a couple of days to get over it and wonder why the Aussies didn't play well enough and why why they didn't win, but. Actually, what happened was was the Japanese squad just really played an excellent game. So it wasn't that the Aussies weren't doing a great job and, you know, playing their own game. Japan didn't let them. They yeah. had completely neutralised Katrina Gori, who was one of our key players from the matches leading up to there. They had their own playmakers. 
they they were missing so many of their key players and yet they were still still able to win and that that's a great outcome for them and it was actually lovely to watch as well I mean to watch a player like Hamari Sawa out there is just you know something quite special yeah they are something they are really something different aren't they I mean they completely outplayed the United States over in in the old Garth Cup and um I saw them against England last year, and they were—it's just they're a bit like Barcelona, aren't they? This way, they keep the ball and just pressure when they've not got it. It's, it's yep. really is a tough system to work out that one. Yeah, and it's so good to watch. And maybe you know, through our coaches being there as well and watching some of that firsthand, I think you know we can learn a lot from that. And I'm sure the players have taken a lot away from that. But like I said earlier, I think you know for the Aussies to think that we can actually beat them, I, I think is brilliant and a credit to them. And, you know, hopefully very soon we will beat them. Mm, good stuff, hopefully so. So speaking of the players and who really, um, who, who caught your eye for Australia over the, um, over the course of the tournament? <laughs> so I'm probably quite biased here being an Australian and, and being a Victorian particularly. I think um, Lisa Devanna, who she plays in our W League and in the local team here, she, um, her speed, her stamina, her commitment were sort of quite amazing she she's quite a an individual player as well so lisa will play her own game yeah um but the influence that she has sort of drive whether or not it's driving forward or helping out in the midfield or dropping all the way back i mean lisa it just seems to be unstoppable she did cop an elbow from park and sung in the semi-final um i'm not sure if her nose was broken or not but she was off the field for just a little bit but yeah lisa devanna played really well Katrina Gorry, all sort of what is she? Maybe four foot ten of her, very very <laughs> short player. She she was great on the ball. I think her composure around all sorts of players with big reputable reputable names. Katrina just played incredibly well. Um, who else did we have that played quite well? Michelle Heyman is an interesting one. So Michelle Heyman was the the lone striker that we had in a couple of the matches, and you know in some respects she was a little bit of a decoy. Um, but she worked so hard on and off the ball, but wasn't really able to finish. So as much as that's a little bit disappointing, I don't think we would have had anywhere near the number of chances without her up there playing. So a mixture of good and bad. And then you've got sort of towards the back line, I suppose Tegan Allen really surprised me. I think that's some of the best football I've seen Tegan play. Steph Catley, always so dependable and, and such a lovely player and person as well. So Steph Catley's just headed over to Portland Thorns to play with the NWSL. Uh-huh. So Steph Catley. And then probably finally you've got Lydia Williams in goal. Did a, a pretty commendable job and I think the Aussies have got some brilliant goalkeepers. So Lydia's sort of holding down that number one spot at the moment. But we've got Bree Davy as well who in my opinion is potentially better than Lydia Williams. So, yeah, lots of great players. I, I was really pleased with all of them. Oh, good, good. So it seems a, it seems a happy squad then at the moment because I know there was rumblings before that there was like discontent, as you said, but it seems that everybody's really pulling together now. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. I wonder if the discontent has been more outside, like with the players facing outside the team rather than in amongst the team. I think the, the team itself is pretty harmonious Mm. I think when we saw so when the Aussies played Japan and Vietnam it was what you would call team A I suppose when we played Jordan it was team B so the people who would come come in off the bench so you could see that they were a little bit disjointed in their play but not because there was disharmony 
but more because they're just not used to playing together. So that was interesting, I suppose, with the coaching changes. Maybe we haven't had as much time to, to play together as a group as, you know, you would hopefully expect leading into a major tournament. Yeah, yeah, good. So, I mean, you've just um, you mentioned that certain Australians are in the NWSL, this Cattle Ford as well, at, at Sky Blue. Is, um, I think that can only be good for the players, isn't it? Because effectively they'll be playing more or less all year round, won't they now? So are people following the league in America to keep an eye on how the Australian players are doing? I certainly do. I know that much. I, I love being able to watch the NWSL so that, you know, it's the only thing that you get seems to be broadcast quite easily. You've got access to it all over YouTube and it makes it really accessible. So I think that's brilliant. For the players to be able to go over there and play more football, I think that's that can do nothing but good things for our local league here because they're, they're playing at a different level of professionalism. As much as we think that our W League here is amazing, I think um, you know it's definitely got room to grow. And if our players head overseas or if we have international players coming back here then that's, that's all for the positive and, and good of what we're doing. Yeah, that's good, it's good. It's good, like I say, um, the same in England, a lot of players are going over to abroad now and I think it just it just builds the profile of the of the game even more. So when does, because um, obviously we want to catch up with you again, but when, when does the W League start? Yeah, I think this season, it hasn't been officially announced yet, but this season it's likely to start in September. Usually it starts around November, December, but just because of a couple of clashes around the world where they're looking at starting it early so it's a very very short season we've got eight teams and we only play a 12-week home and away series so it's it's very very short so yeah stay tuned for september and and hopefully all all the good things that the w league can bring so the team that i follow is the um the victory team melbourne victory and they won so that was our first ever win It'll be interesting to see the new season kicking in and particularly which imports we can secure. We did have Jess Tishlock playing for us in the season just finished and Jess was amazing, so she played with us for two seasons. I'd be thrilled if we could get um, a couple more players like Jess to come over and play with us. So any recommendations that you've got, shout them out this way and I'll start pestering people. Yeah, so well, I, I, there's a Canadian midfielder, Sophie Schmidt. I think she'd be, she's always a good player to watch. I think she'd... she'd... She's the one that likes to play. I think she'd be quite quite good in the in the W League. Yeah, okay, yeah, and that's the sort of thing we we really want. We want these key play, players to come over here and join our league and and show some of the local players the level that they can aspire to. I think we've got Caitlin Friend is headed off to the UK to play with Notts. Notts County, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the more that we can do that, I think the better all of the players will develop. And I think. You know, we can't just rely on the players that we have today. It's very much about the players that we can grow through tomorrow and the day after in years to come. Mm. We don't want this to be our pinnacle. No, no. I think it's good. All over the world, though, women's football is growing, and that, that's fantastic. And I think, I mean, you know, UK, Australia, wherever, ever, it does seem now that people are taking it more seriously. Yeah, I, you know, I certainly take it more seriously, and it's very very raw in some respects if you watch men's football it's a different level of professionalism it's a different level of money there are different things at stake and one of the things that I love about women's football particularly is that we're not really playing for money we're playing for passion and sheer enjoyment because the money's not there right now apart from maybe a very small handful of players 
So everyone that's out there playing just hopefully loves to play, and that's that's beautiful to watch. All right, well, I think that's that's just about it. Before I let you go, we always do like a like a fun thing at the end of these interviews. It's it's an idea I ripped off of Patty basically. Um, I'm just going to mention a few Australian players, and if you could just describe them in maybe one word for us. All right, I'll do my best. Yeah. Okay. No, just a bit, it's just a bit of fun. Um, so I've got the squad list here. So let's uh, Lisa Divana. Ah, uh, bloody fast. That's two words. <laughs> Catelyn Ford? Versatile. Versatile, that's a good one. Lydia Williams? Cat-like reflexes. Okay. Uh, Steph- <laughs> Stephanie Cately? Oh, Steph is just lovely. Lovely, okay. Uh, my favourite one, Laura, Laura Alloway? Tall. tall, very tall. <laughs> yeah, when she was playing for Lincoln a couple of years ago, she was really imposing. A, you know, I'm surprised that she hasn't gone over to the NWSL because I think she'd be an absolute asset over there. Yeah, she's really impressive player. I mean, just the way that she can position herself and, and you know do a great job against some really key players. So yeah, very impressive. Yeah, you wouldn't want to mess with her, would you? I, I certainly wouldn't. That's five foot two of me. No. <laughs> um, we'll do the last one. Um, Samantha Kerr. Sam Kerr. Um, exciting. Exciting. That's exciting. Okay then, Cheryl. Thank again. Many thanks for joining us on the show. No worries, Adam. Thank you very much for having me, and hopefully we'll get to chat about the W League soon. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to have you back on. Tell us, you know, about the W League and stuff. It'd be a, it'd be a total pleasure. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, thanks. Thanks a lot, Cheryl. Thank you. Bye. Yeah. So I really enjoyed doing that, and again, a huge thanks to Cheryl for coming on because it was fascinating to chat with somebody who's obviously incredibly passionate and incredibly knowledgeable about um, not only Australia but women's football in general, and I. It was weird. We spoke for like 20 minutes, but I could have spoke for like for two or three hours. It was just that, it, it just so much detail. That's funny because even though the interview was like 18 minutes long, it seemed like really quick. I was like, wow. Yeah. It's like so interesting. I especially like the fact that you got uh, you, Sophie Schmidt in, in that whole conversation. That was amazing. Well, she, she, she just plays that could play in the W League and Sophie Schmidt could play on Mars, couldn't she? So I just thought it'd be, you know... <laughs> But anyway, back to the serious stuff we talk about Australia. But uh, we'll, we'll get to Sophie later, don't worry. There's always Sophie on the show. But but um, it is it is a noticeable the amount of good quality players that, that go and play in the W League in Australia. I mean, we just mentioned players like Josh Fishlock and, and Joby Taylor, not to mention the, the quality Australian players that are already there. So it's certainly, I'm certainly looking forward to hearing more about the league as it, as it goes forward and stuff. Yeah, and they do bring a certain element to the NWSL. They're very aggressive. They're fast. They're physical. I mean, they're fun to watch, just on a whole. Yeah, well, that, that's the Australian way. I mean, um, if you ever watch the the great Australian cricket team from the nineties to the back two thousand, they just they didn't take any prisoners. They were exactly the same way. Um, smashed England all over the place, really. So it's it's a very it's a fascinating sporting country, Australia. Very competitive, very hard, very fair though as well. I mean, they play hard, but they but they do play fair. So it's um. It's certainly a good place to, you know, there's no hiding away when you're playing sport in Australia. So it's, it'd be great for more players to go and play play over there. It really would. It's great that Shell said you'll come back on and tell us more about the league because I'm fascinated to hear more about it and stuff. And thank again, if you want to follow her work and the other great reporters, uh, check out thewomensgame.com. We'll get a link up on our, on our website and uh, we'll keep you up to date with all things Australia. Bloody damn right. Yeah, <laughs> that's awful. That right? is absolutely awful. I mate, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, mate, yeah, that's. that's <laughs> Put another shrimp on the Barbie, mate. That's. Uh, what does that sound like? That sounds like a pirate or something. I don't that, even that, know. Sound, that sounds awful. We're, we're trying. 
<laughs> we're trying to build. We're trying to build our listeners in Australia, not to frighten them away with. But, but you know, so I apologise for that. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, by the way, in that Asian Cup, the the teams that did qualify for Canada 2015 are besides Australia, Japan, Thailand, China, and South Korea. Yeah, this is the oh, uh, show. Said the first time that Thailand's ever qualified, and I think they were kind of like the fairy tale story, weren't they? Really, I mean, no. If you'd have asked me who was qualifying, I wouldn't have said, well, I don't know anything about it, to be honest, apart from Australia and Japan. So, um, yeah, good, good on Thailand. And speaking of qualifiers, I've got, like, this crow or something in my backyard, and he's like, rah, rah, rah. I didn't know if it was a crow or one of dogs. Can you, can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear it, yeah. Good God. So, there, yeah, there's another Women's World Cup qualifying tournament going on at the, in the Caribbean, one of my favorite Car- places. Caribbean is this a qualifier for the qualifiers yeah so this yeah so this tournament is is kind of interesting because it involves 33 teams in the Caribbean I say Caribbean you say Caribbean but I think we're both okay I think that you can go either way I suppose the the the, um, acid test of it what's the film called is it the Pirates of the Caribbean or the Pirates of the Caribbean Caribbean. Okay, you know, you say different language. You know, this is a good thing about this show. We say things in different languages for different tongues all over the world. So this, yeah. So the tournament goes. It started May twenty first, and three teams will come out of this tournament, and they will be able that they'll be placed into the Concacaf. So it's basically qualifiers for qualifiers. Yeah, it's very preliminary. It's different. Yeah, it's preliminary. It's different. The other the funny thing about it, too, is, like, the FIFA website has the finals being played in July, like, the end of July. And then the CONCACAF website has it for, like, August something for the final. And then if you go to the C- if you go to the CFU website, the Caribbean Football Union website, they say, sometime this year. <laughs> so, oh, that's it. I like that. That's, that's yeah. our kind of planning, isn't it, really? That's that story that we have show planning. So, yeah, well, um, yeah, you know, I like the, those guys. You know, they're on, they're on island time. Yeah, they need to get a job with us. No, they don't. Yeah, they don't want to be. He- they don't want to be held down to anything like oh, no, really all, permanent. Right. Actually, uh, Guatemala and Costa Rica have already secured their spots for the final round. Okay. Uh, we'll keep you up to date on that as it comes along. Those dates. It's one of those things where they play for a few weeks and then they take a break and then they play for another week. And they're going. You know, they're islands, so they're going to different islands and playing. Uh-huh. So it's pretty interesting. So we'll have stuff again on Twitter, and we'll try to keep you guys up to date on that. For the Road to Canada 2015. But uh, NWSL, we'll finish with this roundup. Uh, oh. I suppose the big news, really, we'll get to the results, but the big news was this uh, television deal that you chaps have signed. NWSL and ESPN announced a one year agreement to broadcast nine NWSL games this year. I think they'll split it up between ESPN2. I think ESPN2 will air three regular season matches. And then all three NWSL playoff matches, which includes the two semifinal games in late August, will um, will play on ESPN two. There's some mixed emotions about it, only because of the schedule. I, think. I was going to say people seem to be bitching because the the Portland Thorns are heavily involved in the fixtures, aren't they? And uh, and I don't think I don't think the Spirits got a game happily either. I know Sky Blue, I think, have got two. But there's a double-edged sword to this because the games that are on ESPN won't be on YouTube. So, unfortunately, I know we went about the, the TV thing early with the FAWSL, but that also does mean I'm afraid that people who haven't... Because is ESPN a paid channel over there? Do you have, is it cable? Yeah, it's cable. ESPN, ESPN is a, a basic cable, but ESPN2 will play a lot of like college yeah. sports and 
soccer and and but ESPN three is an online and there's two yeah. matches on ESPN three and I think that's where the controversy actually there's three three, three matches on ESPN three and that's oh. kind of where the controversy lies because not a lot of people can in the rest of the world can log on to their internet service and get ESPN three but most yeah. everybody can go on to YouTube and see all the games. But that's the thing, isn't it? They're not putting them on YouTube. If, if it's on the ESPN, it's not on YouTube. So the, the final and the semi-finals, unless you've got this thing or, or, or pay for the channel, whatever you have to do, you won't be able to see. So that's a, a lot of people are a bit unhappy with that. But I suppose it's, I mean, let's be honest, the league needs all the money it can get, which makes it even more annoying that certain clubs won't sell jerseys. But there we go. But the problem with this this deal, I mean, it is it's kind of a we're not totally sure about it, so we'll give you a little bit deal. I mean, the fact that it's starting halfway through the season almost says to me that they weren't that keen at the start of the season. They're just just dipping the toe and just seeing how the number how the number figures go. I mean, I've not seen the financial breakdown, but I assume it's financially um, it's good financially for the clubs. Whether it hurts the league in the long run that the showpiece game won't be available to everybody. Is, is another matter that only time will tell. But I do think it's a shame that, that the final won't be available for people. Because let's be honest, it's it's even fans of both participating clubs will struggle to, to actually get there in person, unless you're the home team, obviously. So although there's a bit of money coming in, it's it's the old question is, will it hurt the development of it? Because people won't be able to access it long-term going forward. I don't know if you've got any view, views on that. I think it's a good start. I mean, they have to start somewhere. Let's face it. If it wasn't on, if the championship wasn't going to be on ESPN two and it was just on YouTube, people would be clamoring on why it's not on TV or why. I mean, they did it at the beginning of the season. Well, why is why don't we have a TV deal? And so here's your TV deal. It's not the greatest. And yeah, there's a lot of Portland Thorns and there's a lot of Houston Dash. But you know, they have the they really do have because of their association with the MLS teams. They have good facilities to broadcast yeah. these matches. And we've seen some of the the YouTube the YouTube streams for the Dash and the Thorns, and they're very high quality. It's like watching a regular match. You know, some of these some of these games that you're watching, like in FC Kansas City, you know, they have one camera sitting at the top of the press box, and you're looking oh. down on a field, and you feel like you're, you know, 20 miles away. But so, then again, ESPN bring all their cameras with them. They so do, but how much, yeah, they... They do bring all their cameras with them, but just think they won't have to bring as much if they're doing some if they're broadcasting from the thorn from the thorns venues or the, or the dash venues. You know, it's yeah. all there, so it saves them money too. I mean, I it, it's all about money, right? You got to follow the money. Oh yeah, I mean, I can see why they're going with Portland because they're the defending champions, and although they struggled a little bit recently, they're still in the mix. The dash obviously are pretty much out of playoff contention. I think. I mean, I know that. They're close relatively, but as I said before the season, they're pretty much where I thought they would be in the standings right now. But just because of how late they entered and some of the other decisions I thought were a bit bizarre. But Well, somebody said to me too, they're like, oh, well, so we have to have a, a, a visually pleasing venue to have television coverage. It can't just be about the, the, the best side playing. For right now, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking you got to oh. have a visually appealing. <laughs> you can't have a field that has... Uh, lines for five different sports on it. It makes it very hard to watch. You, we watch it because we're fans, but for the yeah. average guy turning on the the TV, it's going to sit down and watch you know top level women's football and see uh, you know a soccer lines and football lines and lacrosse lines and you know I mean field hockey lines. It's 
it's dizzying. You can't do it. I'd rather I'd switch over and watch Duck Dynasty or something. <laughs> Duck Dynasty. Oh, yeah, I can imagine you watching that. Uh, actually, actually, and there's a tow truck, truck trucking as well. As that's a good one. Well, I'm just um, saying, if I'm the average guy, I don't know what average guy is. But, uh, I suppose the, also the awkward thing is, and I can't remember if it was either Fox or ESPN. They're both pretty similar kind of things in what they do. But I, it was this season. I remember it vividly on Fox One or ESPN, or whichever one it was on the main channel. It had um, uh, sprint truck racing practicing, which apparently is the lowest, is the absolute pits of motorsport. Just watching mm-hmm. trucks run and go round and round. That was on the, like, the prime time station, and on the other one, they they were showing Arsenal Bayern Munich in the Champions League. So, mm-hmm. if Arsenal Bayern Munich can't get to huge, can't get on the main channel ahead of um, truck racing practice, then the then the NWSL isn't going to get onto the. On, onto the big big ones either. I know MLS fans um, like giving me a hard time when I say that the MLS is nowhere near the top four sports in America. But it, the, the sad truth is, it, it isn't. I mean, when I was over there, I was in three different states. No, no coverage whatsoever. Nothing in the papers. So. Well, they just signed a big contract with US Soccer and and um, MLS. And look how many years yeah. you know it's that's taken to do that. So I mean, but for still. But soccer, it's still a soccer's still a hard sell in America, though, isn't it? It's never going to compete with the top four. It's it's a good deal if it, if it helps any the league. As I said, needs all the money it can get. So at least if it if it does keep this thing sustainable, then it's a good thing. But I do think it's a shame that at least the final isn't being broadcast on YouTube because I do think it needs as many people as it can to see it. And obviously, if it's a pay channel, then it obviously it eliminates a lot of your viewing thing, which has a back, which again goes back to. Would sponsors it rather be everyone see it or a few people so it might backfire that way? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's a, I think it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal to be on TV. And, you know, I always look at the WNBA, which is the Women's National uh, Basketball Association here in the U.S. And I remember when they first started and they're going into their seventh or they just started their 17th season of play. The most successful women's professional league in this country yeah. is the WNBA and you f- look at how they started and they still struggle to get on TV I mean I'm looking today the Sparks are playing and they have no TV coverage no radio coverage and this is the LA Sparks you know and it's like yeah. well and they have huge following so it, it, it's just it's tough to get the women's league off the ground in this country so to have them ha- be on ESPN2 and ESPN3, it's an important first step. And, you know, I'm hoping that 17 years later the NWSL will still be around. I mean, that's all that we can hope for. And so this is a good first step, I think, for the second season. I suppose the acid test would be if you could um, go into a bar in downtown Pittsburgh or downtown L.A. or whatever. And, um, you know, the sports bars, you know, the kind of places you love where you can get great big burgers and there's like 12 different monitors with all the sports on if you could... If, if they'd switch one of those monitors on to do the NWSL or, or would they rather stick with the rolling network telling us, you know, Tony Romo's broke his left fingernail or something like that. <laughs> oh, you so, know, actually, you know what, down uh, here in Orange, in South Orange County, we have a place called the ESPN Zone and it's one of those oh, big bars. I and mean, if you come out, I'm going to take you there and that you could sit in these cool. big plush leather seats and they have all the games. I'm going to go there on Sunday, July 20th. And I'm going to see if they're going to be showing the Portland Thorns and Boston Breakers at the ESPN Zone. Because cool. if they're not, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna write a letter. <laughs> yes, you do that. That'll really show them, won't they? We mean business now, don't we? <laughs> don't make me write a letter. No, not at all. No. Okay. No. So, um, so. Uh, other news in the in the NWSL. Um, of course, Seattle Rain is still blowing everybody away. They have 23 points. They sit at the top of the table. They got a couple of draws. 
past few weeks. I thought Sky Blue were turning a corner because they got a draw at Washington. I mean, it was a ridiculous penalty. I mean, that was never a penalty in a million years. The referee balls that one up and Washington escaped with an incredibly lucky draw against Sky Blue. 3-3. Then Sky Blue went to Portland and um, uh, they kept them out, didn't they? Uh, Joe Lloyd had a brilliant game in goal by all accounts that day. And they won 1-0 there and then they, they lost 2-0 at home to Chicago. But Chicago has been absolutely blitzing everyone and... They're really the four-team team at the moment, Chicago, aren't they? And that's yeah. without Kristen Press. With, I was going so to say, without Kristen Press. My girl Amy Rodriguez has eight goals, and Kim Little's right up there with her. They're like neck and neck. Yeah, so yeah it's like two boxers slugging training punches, isn't it, those two? And then right behind them is uh, Diana Matheson has five goals. Another one is doing really well. I'm still, yeah. I'm still hoping for the, um, the spirit to come out and get into that top four, and then we'll be able to see them on TV. Yes, because um, obviously, uh, top um, you, you and uh, obviously other people are, are, are keep you know, hashtagging me top four spirit, but uh, uh-huh. four spirit. it's not totally happened yet. It's top five spirit at the moment, isn't right. it? Which um, the spirit of like they're like in the number five slot right now, right behind the Portland Thorns. Yes, and they're they're a little bit of pressure in Portland, isn't there? Um, I mean, I know my my fact of the day is that. Uh, um, Cindy Parlin Cone's got old CPC in the hat and everything. She, she never lost a game four one, but that's what the Portland what Portland did at um, the bottom club Boston last time out, weren't they? And um, I think it's safe to say uh, um, that Portland fans are slightly ticked off at that. Yeah, and I mean I don't know what happened with that because Anger's just been playing fantastic, and they're, maybe their back line's missing a little bit. I know Rachel um, Bueller, Rachel Van Hollenbuck isn't playing right now. She's injured, and of course they're still awaiting. Alex Morgan, but uh, which can come like any minute now. So I think there must be a bit of pressure on Paul Riley because he came in with this great reputation, and um, I'd be interesting to get what Portland fans are thinking because a lot of them were happy to see CPC go, and um, since she's gone, it's gone not according to plan. I, I think would be the correct words. I think it, it started for them when they lost that home game to Seattle, didn't they? I think that's when the fans started to get a little bit twitchy. And it's, they've never really, I don't think they've ever really recovered from that, that defeat to Seattle. The other surprise in the league to me, I mean, and I've talked about it before, the Boston Breakers down at the bottom of the table. Oh. No, I mean, no explanation why. And then they come out and, uh, what did they do? They smashed Portland 4-1. Oh, they smashed, yeah, they smashed Portland 4-1. I think that's the beauty of beauty with football, though, isn't it? It's great that we don't know what's going to happen, otherwise this show would be completely pointless. And um, I suppose while we're down at the bottom, we need to con- congratulate the Dash on, on their first win. Yeah, it was your favourite match. The Flash meets the Dash. Flash meets the Dash, yes. Because um, uh, they've had an interesting time. Because uh, 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 Randy Waldron, the coach, he got ejected a couple of games ago, didn't he? And then I thought, oh dear, it's all blowing up. And then they went to Washington and they should have got a draw. It was just a moment of brilliance because uh, denied them the points then. But then they went and, and went to New York and went one down, but, but turned it round and won 2-1. So uh, maybe there's more fight in this dash side that, than, than we thought. It's a complete fight. I, every time I watch this, this team win or lose... They've got some type of fire, or it almost seems like they've got something to prove. Obviously, they do, but it just it, it shows. It, they wear it on their sleeve. One more thing that, even though, like we were talking about the TV coverage, obviously the Breakers, Washington Spirit, FC Kansas City fans are kind of like in an uproar. The Dash are a really fun team to watch, and yeah. win or lose, they're fun to watch. So and, and that's the bottom line. I mean, it isn't. Yeah, I mean, sports is entertainment, so. So I think that's about it on WSL for right now. Yes, NWSL. NWSL. I think I think that's it. And um, 
I think that's it for the show, isn't that's it? it for the show. Um, I do want to remind people that we have a special uh, show if you go to our website on the World Cup. So uh, it's one of these one-off shows we did uh, few, oh, last week. World last Cup, week, yeah. a men's World Cup preview special. So if you want to get up to up to date on what's going on with the World Cup and you're embarrassed to ask anybody, just go onto our website. Adam breaks it down for you. Shows, tells you what teams to watch, what players to watch, and a lot of other commentary. So that's it. That'll do it. For, yes, that'll do it for this week. So if you want to keep in touch with us, follow us on um, on Twitter at WWF Show, uh, Facebook WWF Show, and we've got the website. We're going to be adding blogs and stuff on there fairly soon. And now I've got a brand new camera on my phone. There'll be even better pictures on Instagram because uh. this one I can actually scroll in and out of and stuff and take some some good pictures. So mm. keep it. Keep your eye on Instagram. More selfies. More selfies if you if if, if if the you know the ladies listening to the show want more selfies I can I can certainly provide more selfies. All right, all right, Adam. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Cheryl Downs and yeah. Rachel Daly and Coach Kevin's. We'll yeah, just a quick, if you want to fo- follow Cheryl Downs, um, you'll we'll be put a link up on our website to her Twitter and stuff. It's uh, at Shiva's Football, but we'll put a link up on the site and stuff. So yeah, we'll That's see it. you see you soon. All right, see you guys. Okay, good luck, Sophie. Okay, bye. <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.